And in that time, I would basically give them updates, like I optioned this script, or I got an agent, or I wrote a new sample. And when I had a new sample, they read it, and then they asked me if I had a spec script, and read that, and basically were just like, based on everything you've given me, I will, I will staff you on my next show. Shruti Saran met her current showrunner through a hashtag on Twitter called Blackout Script Reads. But first, she quit her job, found a writer's group, and got serious about networking. Today we'll talk about how she did it, all while living in Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Priscilla Nguyen, and you're listening to New Screenwriters on Breaking In. Shruti Saran is an Indian-American screenwriter. She grew up in India, England, and the United States and graduated from the University of Michigan with a degree in biology. Shruti worked in digital marketing for several years before quitting to write full-time. While living in Austin, Texas, she began building a network on Twitter and periodically traveled to LA to network in person. Eventually, she wrote a drama pilot that got her an agent, a manager, and a slew of general meetings. In 2021, she wrote a buzzy comedy pilot called Bad Gandhi that got her staffed on her first show, a new series for Netflix. Welcome to the program, Shruti. Thank you. Wow, you really have my you have my story down. That's so funny. So you studied biology in college and worked in digital marketing after graduation. Why did you study biology? And at what point did you decide to pivot to screenwriting? I, I think we all sort of try to make our 20s make sense. But when I look back at my 20s, what I see is a bunch of fits and starts and uh, me just trying to find things that I like while also trying to keep my resume intact while also trying to like please my parents while also trying to make enough money to pay my rent. But I studied biology and biochem in college because my original plan was to be some kind of doctor or scientist, right? Like my parents are physicians. I really like science. They never really pressured me to do it. But I sort of started backpedaling on that plan in college. I would say by junior or senior year, I just had spent so much time in hospitals and I kind of realized that inconveniently, I really hated them. And then at the, around the same time, I met a guy who lived in Texas. So long story short, I fell in love and basically moved to Texas after graduating. And the plan was still to apply to medical school after taking a little time off. But being in Texas gave me, I think, the time and the space to think about other things because I, I was... I was so kind of academically focused in college and all of a sudden I was living in Austin and kind of allowed myself to do stuff that I hadn't really let myself do in college, like take improv classes and do stand up. So that was, that was part of it. Um, and at the same time I ended up wor working in digital marketing and that was sort of something that I fell into because I was, um, doing digital marketing type work for pharmaceutical companies. And so my kind of mm. healthcare biology background really helped with that. But you didn't like the digital marketing any more than you liked the hospitals. So at what point did you decide to pivot and how did you decide to quit digital marketing? So it took me a while. It took me a few years after college. And it was basically, I think I was having a mid-20s existential crisis and I was just looking down the barrel of my career. And I was realizing that the ladder that I was climbing was one that I was just not excited about at all. Mm -hmm. I also have a really um, entrepreneurial husband who's very much a rebel and like doesn't do anything he doesn't like to do. And I think his influence over time 
gave me the courage to sort of (laughs) carve my own path. Whereas when I was in college, I just didn't have the courage. But I also had um, a couple opportunities. Like, obviously, Austin is a really creative town. So I was able to like do improv and meet other filmmakers and do stand up and do all this stuff that I didn't really have as much access to in Ann Arbor, where I went to college. And then my uh, husband also found himself at a crossroads in his career. And he um, basically left his job and told me that he wanted to move to the woods for a year and build a cabin. So that was kind of the moment where I was, I, I was like, of course I'll do that with you because, because <laughs> it seemed like a fun adventure and I knew it was probably not something that we would be able to do in the future, but I was also secretly like looking to pivot. And that was sort of an opportunity for me to pivot for me to like leave my full-time job and Mm. freelance and um, build this house in Colorado and then come back to Texas and sort of reorganize my life around screenwriting. And that was really necessary for me. I think my most productive hours are in the, in the mornings. And as soon as I was able to write during my most productive hours, like my productivity just skyrocketed. You mentioned that when you moved to Colorado to build this cabin, you freelanced. Are you talking about digital marketing there? Yeah, I was basically doing the same thing that I was doing for work as a freelancer, but for a lot less money. And that's, I mean, I feel like it's really important to acknowledge my privilege. Like I did quit my job to pursue writing and I was able to do it because I had saved a lot of money prior to doing it. And I also had a partner who was supportive. You mentioned that when you were in Colorado building the cabin, waking up and writing in the morning, you were super productive. Is that when you started writing or had you started writing back in Texas before quitting the digital marketing job? Like how, how did you get started writing basically? I think I'd written like a spec or two before I moved to Colorado. And then I wrote my first original pilot while I was in Colorado. And then I came back and just got a lot more serious about it. But like my first scripts were two years apart. And I I wasn't doing the work of screenwriting with the consistency that I needed to build a career because I wasn't sure that I wanted to to do it because I knew that (laughs) I knew that if I wanted to do it it was going to be a really hard long road. You started with comedy, right? That was your gateway drug, you said. At what point did you kind of discover screenwriting and decide to pursue that specifically as opposed to doing stand up or improv or something? So I started doing improv basically as soon as I got to Austin. So right after college, but I didn't start writing until several years after that. And, you know, I I did a bunch of uh, improv at a local theater called the Hideout Theater in Austin. And I, it just became clear to me that I didn't like improv that much, Mm. (laughs) to be totally honest. So then I started doing stand up and that was a lot better. I loved being able to really craft material. So then I think I took like a sketch class and that like felt good. And so I finally was like, you know what? I just need to write a script. So I ended up writing a half hour spec of community. 
So what were some of your next steps specifically? I sort of had this failure to launch where I wrote a couple specs before I felt like I had a really polished pilot. And I would take those specs and apply to fellowships, you know, as a way of kind of meeting a deadline or I'd send them into competitions. And I did that for a while and it was kind of, I just felt like I was sending scripts into the void. So I started writing scripts. Yeah, but I didn't have an original pilot. So finally I buckled down, wrote the original pilot, honestly, that I had started in Colorado, finished that, felt this great sense of relief. Like now I finally have this original piece of material because I knew enough about this industry that I knew that um, writing specs, like specs were no longer the currency of new writers trying to break in. So the only thing that I was, I was with all my spec scripts, I was basically writing material that I could use to apply to fellowships. And then I just had these scripts that became like very quickly dated and that I couldn't really use to get reps or get jobs. So I wrote my first original pilot that placed really highly in tracking board, which gave me like a little bit of confidence. Mm. Um, And then I think I wrote another pilot. And then what I did that was really key is I started a writer's group with a bunch of people that I met at a blacklist happy hour. And we started meeting every year. Sorry, not every year. We started meeting every week. And that completely changed the way I worked and my output. And basically the first pilot that I wrote with my writing group got me reps. Can you tell me what exactly yours did for you? Like, how did you become a better writer through the group? How did it advance your writing and your career? Becoming a screenwriter requires you to do a very hard work for free for a long period of time (laughs) and continue to take yourself seriously even when there are no short-term rewards. Like you basically have to teach yourself to delay gratification. And I think that's really difficult for a lot of people. And I think what my writer's group did for me is it helped me take myself seriously and it helped me find a sense of community that was grounded and then it also obviously created structure and expectations around around writing that I found really helpful and it elevated the quality of my work because I had people ripping it apart week after week until it was good so you mentioned that the first pilot that you wrote with the writers group is also the sample that got you repped when and how did this happen that you got repped? So I was living in Austin at the time and going out to LA periodically to just meet with people. And I would basically meet with whoever would meet with me. And I would cobble together meetings with friends and fellow screenwriters and producers and the occasional rep. And I would organize a happy hour every time I went out there and invite basically everyone that I knew so that I could start meeting peers and other writers a little bit more socially. So I wrote this pilot and it had basically won a lot of awards. Like it had semifinaled at Austin and placed in like Humanitas and a couple other things. And then what happened was Joey Tuccio, who is a CEO of Roadmap Writers, read the pilot and was like, hey, this is actually pretty good. The next time that you go out to LA, let me know and I'll set you up on a few meetings. He set me up on a meeting 
with uh, the guy who eventually became my manager. How exactly did Joey Tuccio read your script? Roadmap Writers is basically a career program for writers. And I had taken a pitching class, which is kind of one of the first classes that they offer and basically met Joey and met Dorian. They also have a career writer program and I hadn't really done that. But I had met Joey and I think, you know, that program is all about getting writers reps. I think he tries to read everyone who is involved in Roadmap in any way. So I think he read a couple of my scripts and oh, wow. this one in particular stuck out, st- stood out to him. And he was kind of like, I think I can get you repped off this sample, especially after it's semifinal at Austin and stuff. Like I had other managers reaching out at that point too. So like there was a little heat. And how many samples did you have at that point? And how many samples did these reps ask to read? I had six samples at that point and had also produced a web series. And my current manager, Nicholas, read the samples that Joey sent him. And then he wanted to see another sample just to make sure I wasn't a one hit wonder, as he put it. How did these reps react to you living in Austin? He didn't really care. I told him I was willing to get my butt to LA if I got staffed. And he already knew that I came out several times a year. I think I did feel a little bit of hesitation from people who would learn that I lived in Austin. But I think at that point, if you had talked to me, it would be really clear that I was taking this pretty seriously. You got repped from this drama sample, but you also write comedy. How did reps react to you telling them you wanted to do both? Some people were like, you should focus. (laughs) Um, But my manager, the manager that I ultimately signed with was fine with it. I had a bunch of comedy samples and I only had one drama sample and he signed me off of a drama sample. So my second sample was a comedy sample Mm -hmm. and he thought the drama sample was stronger. So he was sort of encouraging me to write another drama sample. But then I pitched him a half hour idea and he was like, that's really good. You should write that. And I wrote that and that was Bad Gandhi. It was the script that ultimately got me staffed. And in general, I think Hollywood is getting a little bit more genre and format agnostic. Like people are writing comedies. They're also writing dramas. They're writing dramedies. They're writing features and also working in television. This industry is not as siloed as it was before. And reps who are up to date on the industry and open-minded, I think, know that and encourage you to write to your strengths. So you ended up signing not only with the manager, but also an agent. How did you make that decision? Well, I was at a little boutique management company. So I told my manager that I didn't want to sign with an agent unless it was at one of the big agencies. So when he thought I was ready, he basically introduced me to an agent at CAA who signed me. Getting an agent was a million times easier than getting a manager. It was basically just a phone call and a meeting. Huh. Yeah. But I also have a very, I mean, I have a, you know, I don't have like a huge agent at CAA. I have a, I have like a young and hungry agent who I adore, who I think is going to grow with me. And what was the calculus for you behind thinking that you'd be best served with a manager and an agent? I signed with an agent mostly because I was just following the advice of my manager. Like my manager was like, time for you to sign with an agent. (laughs) Okay. You know, and at the time, at the time, there's no money on the table, right? (laughs) Because you're paying all these reps 10% of nothing. So 
I guess I didn't really think about it too hard, honestly, but I was interested in staffing and my manager thought signing with an agency would help get my work out there for staffing. How have your reps affected you or your career? I think it's like the writer's group, right? Every single person that you add to your team, especially before you're actually working, makes you feel more legitimate and supported and motivated to to take this seriously. You know, once there are people who are investing in your career, you know, drawing up contracts and sending your work out, the studious, people-pleasing immigrant child inside of me really wants their investment in me to pay off. But also, I think as far as introducing me to the industry and getting me meetings and getting my work out there, that has just increased tenfold with reps, especially an agent. So during this whole time, you were living in Austin, but you did two big things to build your network. So one you already touched on, which was making periodic trips to LA and being very organized and strategic about that, right? Like calling up everyone you knew, organizing happy hours. The other thing that you were doing was tweeting and getting pretty active on Twitter. That's eventually how you got staffed. And we'll talk about that in a moment, but let's start at the Twitter beginning. How did you get started on Twitter and how did you use it to network? I just started tweeting. I don't know. There wasn't really much of a strategy. I was also like following other screenwriters and I guess the Twitter algorithm sort of took care of the rest, you know? Like, it's very clear if you read my Twitter that I'm just like really nerdy about screenwriting and love screenwriting. And that has worked really well for me. So in 2021, you got staffed on your first show, which is a new series for Netflix that has not been announced yet. It's a live action drama series. So you got this job through a showrunner whom you met on Twitter. How exactly did you meet this person and how did you get the job? Oh boy. So I can't give you too many details, but I basically, I guess two years ago, applied to a mentorship program on Twitter, uh, sent in my pilot and was paired with this showrunner. And they read my script and reached out and kind of took it upon themselves to stay in touch. Like basically shoot me an email every three or four months. That's just like, how are you doing? Just checking in, like what's going on? And in that time, I would basically give them updates, like I optioned this script, or I got an agent, or I wrote a new sample. And when I had a new sample, they read it. And then they asked me if I had a spec script and read that. And basically, we're just like, based on everything you've given me, I will, I will staff you on my next show. They were like, you're on my short list if I get another show. And then they did get another show. Can you say what the mentorship program was? Yeah, it was the Blackout Scripts Mentorship Program that Vera Herbert uh, runs. I think she's done it twice. And when you say that you submitted for this program through Twitter, do you mean it was actually conducted through Twitter or Twitter is how you learned about it? Yeah, it was actually conducted through Twitter. It was a very informal thing. I literally just DM'd her what she requested, which was like my bio a log line and just a quick explanation of what I was looking to do and kind of what I had already done. And then based on that information, she said she would pair me with a working writer. And I guess I gave her enough for her to be like, Trudy is ready to be paired with a showrunner. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You also mentioned that this showrunner ended up reading 
two of your pilots and a spec and actually requested a spec. We hear mixed things about like what specs are good for, like are they only useful for fellowships, but apparently it came in handy. So did the showrunner ask you for one of your specs just because they knew that you had specs? Or do you think if you had said, I don't have a spec, they would have been like, ooh, that's like a a minus for Shruti? Yeah, I think it would have been a minus. They were really interested in knowing. I, I think they knew that I could execute on the page and that I had a voice, but they really wanted to know that I could also emulate a voice because <laughs> that's ultimately your job when you're on staff, right? It's not about your voice. It's about the showrunner's voice. So the showrunner was like, you're shortlisted, Trudy. And you were like, that's really exciting. On the show that I don't have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On my <laughs> hypothetical <laughs> show. Right. So. How, if at all, did that affect you at the time? Like, what were you doing at the time? You were just you were just writing all the time, right? And like, at what point did this person actually email you or whatever and say, "Hey, you've moved from the short list, the short list to the staff list"? About a month after, they were like, "I actually do have a show surprise." <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but what happened right after is that I was like, "That is very flattering and sweet of them to say," but. I just kept going with my own work. And at that point I had also like option two scripts. So I was working with producers on those and I was busy developing new material. And I think I was working in, I was working in a a small feature writer's room. So I was just, you know, I just kept doing those things. I, I find that it's really psychologically unhealthy for me to put a lot of stock or hope in any one thing. So I just, try to keep moving forward and tend to the multiple irons that I have in the fire, but not try to like worry or stress about things that I can't control, basically. You mentioned that you had two pilots that were optioned and you were also working in a feature writer's room. I didn't even know that there was such a thing as a feature writer's room. Um, Could you tell me more about that? It was, I mean, it was a pretty informal little like pre-WGA thing. It wasn't, it wasn't like a huge thing, but basically I was breaking a a bunch of feature ideas with a room for a producer who wanted to direct his second movie. It was kind of a bit of an experiment, I think, for everyone involved. And how did you get two scripts optioned? Could you explain that process? Yeah, one was through a producer that I met on one of my trips out to California, and another was through a Twitter introduction. How does that conversation go? Like you're chatting, someone wants to read your script, you send it over, and they read it, and then what? And then they want to pay you money to option it <laughs> so <laughs> they can try to sell it. I mean, yeah, I mean, these are small options, but. Like so many of these things were for so little money, honestly, in the beginning, but they introduced me to a lot of people and they gave me a taste of what it was like to work professionally and collaboratively. Looking back, what do you think moved the needle the most for you? My writer's group. And that's just because they helped you improve the quality of your script so much? Yeah, I think the people that you find and you work with and you... And you develop creative partnerships with when there's no money on the table are the most important people in this industry. That's important to me. It keeps me really grounded because this can be a really transactional industry. (laughs) So I just, I'm really committed to my writer's group. Um, But yeah, I think they also elevated my writing to a professional level. (sighs) 
you know, you will cut corners when you're writing for yourself, but when you have to submit draft after draft after draft to people who are taking time out of their day to read all your crap over and over and over again, I think it motivates you to do a better job. Is there anything you wish you had done differently? And why did you do it the way that you did? Yeah, I mean, I wish I had had more courage in the beginning and wasted less time and been more confident. It took a lot of external validation for me to believe that my writing was good. And it took me a long time to like even believe that I had stories that were worthy of telling. But as far as like what I would do differently, I don't know, like my journey is kind of my journey. And I think for a long time, I would say that I wish I had started earlier. I wish I had taken screenwriting classes in college, or I wish I had indulged my like creative interests earlier. But Honestly, I had other interests also in college, like science, and I kind of pursued those wholeheartedly. And now, because I've worked in different industries, I just have a different life history that I have found to actually be really uh, valuable out here in LA, because more and more storytelling has become very specialized and people are really looking for writers who can bring like specificity of experience and skill set to very niche and specific stories. So I I wish I just embraced my journey more happily rather than being so self-conscious about it all the time. But other than that, I wouldn't really change that much. Who would you say are two people who really helped you along the way? And how exactly did they influence you or the trajectory of your career? Probably the showrunner on the show is one person. They've become, they're very much a mentor to me. So I think when people who are working in several steps ahead of you in the industry are like, you have what it takes, you just need to keep pushing, or like, they would always say it's not a matter of if at this point, like it's a matter of when. Building a writing career feels like trying to climb up this mountain of ice, you know, and sometimes you just need someone to kind of give you a pickaxe. And then the other person was my husband, who is really, really confident. (laughs) And I don't know where his confidence comes from, but he's just inexplicably confident. He always has been. He believes in himself. He has (laughs) belief and confidence left over for me. So when I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself, I just borrowed some of his. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you, Shruti. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Priscilla. That was Shruti Saran, who staffed in 2021. Find her on Twitter at Shrutes and Ladders or visit her website at shrutisaran.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Pris underscore Nguyen or go to newscreenwriterspodcast.com. If you loved this interview, please give us a five-star review. And if your friends would love it, please share it with them. Until next time, I'm Priscilla Nguyen, and you've been listening to New Screenwriters on Breaking In.